We are exactly two weeks away from the start of the regular season for the Sacramento Kings, and based off of how these first two preseason games have gone, the Kings could use every bit of those two weeks. Sacramento falls to the Los Angeles Lakers 109-101 in Anaheim in a game where Sasha Vazenkov got his first opportunity as a starter, and things didn't go well. We'll discuss it and more right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E, medical.com. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News, and it always stings just a little bit more, whether it's preseason or not. It always stings just a little bit more when the Kings lose to the Lakers, right? And even though it's preseason, right, we can throw the final score out, 109-101. The Kings are 0-2 in preseason, blah, blah, blah. It, it really, truly doesn't matter. We've seen the Kings go undefeated in preseason in years where they've been terrible. Uh, we've seen the Kings struggle in preseason. They struggled in preseason last year, if I'm not mistaken, and they had the amazing year that they had. So ultimately, the final scores and winning and losing in preseason is not what matters. So we're not hanging our heads from a Sacramento Kings perspective because the Kings are 0-2 to this point. Those of us might be hanging our heads, though, because of some of the ways that the Sacramento Kings have struggled in these first two games. And we're going to break down and talk a lot about, like, is it just preseason? Can we just sum it up as it's just preseason and and, and just kind of leave it at that? Or are there some real concerns here that the Sacramento Kings have to address and work on uh, and, and break down? There's definitely things that the Kings need to work on and work hard on and figure out, work off the rust, work through the Kings. Uh, the Kings have a lot to do over these next two weeks before their season opener against the Jazz in Utah. There's absolutely no, uh, no argument against that. Like the Kings have work to do. But what is concerning and what is just, hey, these guys, give them time, let them figure it out. They're working through the rust, just two games back together, incorporating new players, trying to add in t- onto their foundation, blah, 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 blah. We'll get into that in, uh, in a little bit. We're going to start this podcast, of course, talking about Sasha Vazenkov getting his opportunity uh, as a, a starter. Actually, before we get into that, I do want to run it through uh, a few individual performances from tonight's loss to the Lakers uh, and, and just highlight a few guys really quick. And I wanted to start with Chris Duarte, who to me was the absolute brightest light or brightest spark for the Kings uh, in this loss here tonight. 10 points, 4 of 4 shooting from the field, 2 of 2 from 3-point range, 2 rebounds, 1 assist, or rather 1 steal. Uh, did have 3 turnovers, I believe, so he needs to clean that up. But the Kings as a whole struggled to take care of the basketball tonight. We'll get into that more later. Chris Duarte was written off pretty quickly by some of you. And I mean, I saw the comments in my comment section on YouTube. I had multiple emails sent to me asking why in the world is Chris Duarte getting an opportunity with the second unit and Sasha Vizenkov didn't get any opportunity until the second half with the third unit uh, in game one against Toronto. Um, I saw those comments and I felt that while I think it's a fair question of a battle supposedly between Chris Duarte and Sasha Vizenkov for that 
10th and final rotation spot if there is such a thing available. Um, I, I thought people were too quick to write off Duarte and were undermining what he was uh, capable of and how good he can be for the Sacramento Kings based off of one preseason game. And I think a lot of that um, also came from the fact that so many of us just want to see Sasha Vizenkov do well and love the idea of the EuroLeague MVP joining the Sacramento Kings and it going wonderful uh, here that we didn't want anybody to get in the way of that. So if Duarte was in the way of that, it's like, shove him out of the way, right? That's why that's how I feel a lot of people approach Duarte uh, after that that game against Toronto. And, and I put this out on Twitter, like Duarte and Vizenkov, first and foremost, they play completely different t- positions. They're very different types of players. They have similar skill sets. Duarte's definitely better on the defensive end. Both can theoretically shoot the ball well. Sasha Vizenkov supposedly should be a better shooter uh, than Duarte is. Duarte's more of a guard sometimes a little bit of a wing. Sasha's more of a four, although the Kings are giving him a lot of playing time as a three, which I don't think is going to work, especially defensively. Um, but I thought, like, I, I think both of them are going to be able to contribute for the Sacramento Kings and help the this Kings team win at different times over the course of this season. And that's valuable depth to have. So it shouldn't be one versus the other, even if they're both competing for, again, this elusive or 10th rotation spot, if it is really a battle for that 10 spot. If Mike Brown even has a 10 man rotation, which he might have a nine or eight man rotation, truth be told. Um, but I, I don't think it necessarily has to be one against the other. I like that. We saw a little bit more of what Chris Duarte could do and what he could provide. He looked really, really solid in this game. DeMontis Sabonis had a really good stat line in terms of, he got a double double. Remember he led the league in double doubles last season, 10 points, uh, 16 rebounds. So you'd love to see that number, especially with how much the Kings struggled rebounding the basketball in game once against Toronto shot three of seven from the field. He missed, I counted two. It might've been three, uh, mid-range jumpers where um, the Lakers defense kind of backed off of him a little bit and he decided to take those shots in confidence, which you love to see, but I think he ended up missing all of them. So that's not great. And went four of seven from the free throw line. That's also not great. Uh, did have five assists, but turned the ball over four times. And like, this is one of those games where numbers wise Sabonis did solid, good enough in the limited time uh, that he played. How many minutes did uh, Sabonis play? He played 24 minutes. So a decent chunk of time uh, time for Sabonis. Good numbers for the amount of minutes that he played, but actually watching the game, you still knew it wasn't the sharpest basketball that he uh, is capable of. And you could kind of say the same thing at times about De'Aaron Fox, who bounced back nicely after being a really a non-factor at all in game one against Toronto. He had 18 points, six of 12 from the field, two of five from three-point range. He's shooting that three-point shot with confidence. He was a perfect four of four from the free-throw line as well three rebounds five assists like if De'Aaron Fox played his typical 35 minutes a night uh this game might have been very different but he ended up playing 24 minutes uh in this game so a nice bounce back from Fox compared to uh game one didn't see too much of that dominance of Fox at times he used that burst of speed to get to the rim on a couple of possessions uh that three-point shot looks crisp it looks smooth and I, I tweeted this out like I love that the narrative surrounding Fox when he came into the league that he couldn't shoot the ball. Like he's worked hard on that to kind of put that to bed. And and while he's not a great shooter by any means, he's now enough of a confident and somewhat consistent three-point shooter that teams have to respect it. And nobody talks about his three-point shot uh, anymore, or at least anybody who does is just grasping at straws for reasons to to hate on the guy. Um, So nice bounce back from De'Aaron. And then Harrison Barnes, 15 points, five of 11 from the field, three of six from three-point range, a rebound, an assist, and a steal. 
I would love to see more contributions and other stats outside of just scoring for HB. Uh, but he stepped up with Keegan Murray being out in tonight's game. And, and HB is just such a solid presence for the Kings. I'm just very glad uh, that the Kings decided to bring him back because these 15 point performances from time to time, like he can have those quiet, sleepy 15 points that end up making a bigger difference than we realize when we're actually watching uh, him play. I mentioned Keegan Murray was out. Uh, he missed this game with thumb soreness. I believe he, he, kind of jammed his thumb uh, during during shoot-around today or before the game started uh, and was having soreness going into the game. So the Kings completely precautionary, decided not to play him. There was no reason whatsoever to risk him going out and aggravating it or making it any worse. Uh, we were told um, repeatedly that there's nothing to be concerned about. Uh, he's totally fine. It's just soreness, and they're just holding him out just to be safe. So there's absolutely no reason to be concerned uh, about Keegan Murray whatsoever. And of course, Keegan not playing had an effect on this game. Not a massive effect. Like, I'm not going to say the Kings lost this game because Keegan Murray didn't play because it's silly and it's preseason. Um, but maybe this game would have gone differently had Keegan played. Maybe it wouldn't have. I don't know. It's preseason basketball, but in, in some sense, it was a good thing because we got to see Sasha Vazenkov play uh, with the starters for the first time. And I was really eager to see like, what does Sasha look like playing off of De'Aaron Fox and Demonte Sabonis? And right away, like Sasha hit a off of a dribble handoff from Sabonis, hit a step back three. It was beautiful. It was like one of the first buckets that the Kings made in the game. It's like, yes, like that is what we've been envisioning. That's what we've been daydreaming about all summers is Vizenkov hitting, getting those shots and hitting those shots. It was perfect. It was beautiful. Um, and that was about it. Like, I don't really remember Sasha doing too much else offensively. I do remember paying attention to defensively how bad Sasha and Kevin Herter were getting targeted. Now, Mike Brown warned us He's warned us in training camp. He warned us even during media day, like teams are going to come after Sasha. They're going to, they're, go they're going to put the Euro league MVP to the test. They know that that euros, the game is slower over there, that Sasha has to prove himself on that side of the ball. They are going to come at Sasha and Sasha has to be ready for that. Mike has talked about that openly and they've been trying to prepare him for that as best as they could in training camp. But as we can see, and as we saw in this game against a Lakers team that they weren't starting their two stars in 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 LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And you could argue their third star, or I guess, in Austin Reeves, whatever. Like Sasha started and played the three tonight. So in theory, he would have played against Austin Reeves a lot. Uh, he would have played probably at times against LeBron James defensively. And that probably would have been a disaster. Like Sasha's not good on defense. He's not. He's slow. He's very slow. Teams were blowing by him left and right. He was biting on every single pump fake on the perimeter. He was closing out and, and going like 100% on his closeouts. Uh, had a, at one point like fouled, I think it was Tarion Prince who, who, who got him uh, on a pump fake and uh, got a three-point play off of him. Like these are things that I, this is growing pains, right? Welcome to the NBA. You're not a kid. You're, you're 28 years old. You're very, very, um, acclimated overseas Euroleague league mvp all that like you you have a ton of skill that you bring to the nba nobody can deny that but this is a different game you got to learn it you kind of got to figure out figure it out you have to go through it the preseason is the perfect time for you to go through it but the thing is the regular season with a team like the sacramento kings who are trying to win right away that is not necessarily the best time so these might be the reasons we might be seeing or what we might have seen tonight 
playing out in real time why Mike Brown is going to be hesitant to have Vizenkov as a consistent part of Sacramento's rotation to start the season. That doesn't mean a month from now or two months from now that he'll be an everyday rotational player. Maybe he figures it out by then. But as if the season starts and Vizenkov is playing the type of defense against benches or starters or whatever, he could not stay in front of anybody. If if that's who Vizenkov is going to be to start the season, he's not going to be a part of the Kings rotation defensively because his defense was not good enough to not overshadow his offense. He didn't do enough offensively. As great as he had a couple good moments, a couple good shots, uh, he ended up playing 21, rounded up 22 minutes tonight, scored seven points, went three of 11 from the field, one of four from three-point range. Like That's not nearly enough offensively to make up for the the struggles that he had on defense. I'm not putting it all on him either because I tweeted this out early too. Like The Kings starters, period, came out of the gate with zero physicality defensively, and that's all five guys. Fox, Sabonis, all the way down. Like there was no defensive physicality or effort. I shouldn't say effort. There was no intensity on the defensive end to start this game, period. So I don't put that all on Sasha Vizenkov, of course. But it was Vizenkov and Kevin Herter who were being targeted. And Kevin Herter didn't play great either. Kevin looked slow too. Not as slow as Vizenkov, but he's also a guard. Like Kevin Herter didn't look great on defense either. To me, as of right now, like I'm, I'm not making any kind of knee-jerk reactions. If Kevin Herter hasn't looked great in these first two uh, preseason games, Kings need to consider shaking up the starting lineup. Like I'm not even close to there yet. Like I know what Kevin Herter is. He's a proven commodity in the NBA. He's probably out of the Kings' standard starting five, which doesn't include Vizenkov and does include Keegan Murray. Like he's probably the weakest defender in that group. But even so, he's not terrible. He's bad at times, but the Kings are all bad at times but he's not terrible, but Kevin's fine. Like I have full confidence in Kevin as a starter for the Sacramento Kings. Don't think that's a problem that needs to be adjusted or looked at or fixed. But Sasha Vizenkov in the rotation at this point, I think is a very, very real question. And if there is truly a battle between Duarte and Vizenkov and Mike Brown has kind of mentioned as such, he talked about in, in, uh, in, training camp yesterday at practice yesterday that uh, we might see opportunity of Vizenkov with the second unit and Duarte with the third unit and vice versa. So he, he brought up Duarte by himself in that conversation. If there is truly a battle between those two, Duarte's winning and it might not be very close right now, even with how bad Duarte played in that first game against Toronto. To me, if I am building a 10, 10 man rotation as of right now, just me as of right now, it could change tomorrow. It's the obvious starting five. It's Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, Alec, uh, um, uh, Trey Lyles, JaVale McGee, and Chris Duarte. And even then, like McGee didn't play great. Had some good moments, especially off the pick and roll. Like he had some good moments tonight. Didn't play as good tonight as he did in game one against Toronto. But I think he's probably going to be still a consistent rotational center. But he might be swapped out at times if teams are going small. Like Mike... I feel like Mike's just going to have a nine-man rotation, really. I feel like that's what it is. And it might be times where Vizenkov and Duarte are both on the outs, or Duarte's in and McGee and Vizenkov are on the outs, or Trey Lyles is not playing well, so Trey Lyles is on the outs. Like, Mike is not afraid to make changes. So as of right now, that's kind of how where I feel like, uh, that's where I'm at, at least, with my 10-man rotation, if I'm Mike Brown on the Sacramento Kings after these first two preseason games. But 
clearly the Kings still have a lot of work to do as a team. It's not just on Sasha. Sasha's just kind of the, I guess the biggest storyline or the biggest talking point of training camp to this point. But the Kings had a lot of struggles in this game. I've had a lot of struggles through these first two games. Can we just chalk it up to it being preseason and kind of leave it at that and brush it under the rug? Or should we be concerned about it? We'll run through some of those uh, those issues and, and, and answer that question uh, in the next segment. Before that, though, I want to tell you more about our uh, our lead sponsor of today's episode. That is Jace Medical. Look, everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have that medication in hand. Look, it's a stressful time when we're sick, right? I'm just getting over a sickness right now. I don't know if the Jace case could have helped me or not. In fact, I probably should have given it a try and used it because I have it. Um, but anytime we're going through any kind of medical emergency, we want to have what we need made available to us. Jace Medical says, here it is right here for you. And they make it simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery, ongoing consultations and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today with Jace Medical by using the code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So is it just preseason? Or should we be concerned? I have a list of some things, some issues from tonight's game, some overall issues from uh, these first two preseason games from the start of training camp to go through. Uh, the two sample sizes that we've had for the Sacramento Kings haven't looked great. Been some good moments, but they haven't looked great. Like one of the things that I have here is we've really truly seen just small flashes, only little flares of the Sacramento Kings of last season in these first two preseason games. Is it just preseason or should we be concerned about that? Now, this is one where I'm, I'm okay to say like, it's just preseason. Like these guys, they've been playing with each other and like pick up uh, environments and stuff over the summer on their own time and things like that. But it's, it's very different when you're back in the flow of things, playing NBA competition, uh, you're, you're working through getting back in shape, reestablishing yourself, kind of building up and getting back into the rhythm of an NBA season. So I'm not necessarily concerned about like, where is the, the Sacramento Kings beautiful offense of last season? Where is the Sacramento Kings like um, breakout performances and stuff like that from last season? Where is fourth quarter Fox? Well, fourth quarter Fox hasn't existed because Fox hasn't played in a fourth quarter in, in preseason so far. Like, I'm not concerned about that. I've seen some people talk about like, this team doesn't look recognizable. This Where's the Sacramento Kings of last season? The Sacramento Kings of last season didn't have a 18 to 23 or whatever minutes restriction because it's preseason and it doesn't really matter. And the Sacramento Kings of last season, remember, kind of had to build and ramp up into the, the team that they became, right? We're not using that as an excuse because heaven forbid the Sacramento Kings do not want to start 0-4 again this season. They don't. They like That was a hold. Of the, they were able to work themselves out of last season. They don't want that to become a habit, though. The Kings need to start this season strong. They need to start this season certainly better than 0-4. So if they get to the regular season, if they get to game one against the Utah Jazz and they lose that game because they're playing the same bad basketball that they've been playing in these first two preseason games, yeah, now we're going to talk about it. We're going to start lighting some fires a little bit and, and being like, okay, what's going on here? 
But as of right now, I'm like, okay, we haven't seen much of the Sacramento Kings bean team of last year. We've seen flashes, good moments on offense, good stretches of play from time to time. I'm not hit the panic button on that, though. I think that's more just preseason. They'll be fine. They're getting more comfortable. They're going to get more playing time together. There's not going to be a thousand guys on the on the roster who are all trying to get opportunities to to play a little bit. And Mike's getting glimpses of different guys and using hockey lineups and playing five-man bench units together and things like that to get them more comfortable. Like a lot of what's happening in the preseason is not going to happen during the regular season. So I'm I'm not going to hit the panic button on that. The Kings transition defense, though, that was a big weakness of the Sacramento Kings last year. A big weakness. Like, we know how good the Kings are when they get out in transition. And and I mean, in tonight's game against the Raptors, like when they get stops or they force turnovers, like they're really, really good in transition. We know this, right? The speed of which they play, the lethal uh, shooting that they have, the amount of shooters on their team, the amount of guys that can just take the ball off the floor. Hell, DeMarcus Savonis can push the break if he wants to. He's done it many times. Like the Kings in transition are scary, scary good. And there aren't too many teams, if any, that can stop them in transition. Of course, the Kings need to get the stops first in order to get out in transition. Well, also at this point, the Kings can't stop anybody in transition. They can't. Their transition defense has been terrible. They've been making the wrong decisions, not stopping the ball instead of trying to like guard guys who didn't have the basketball. As Jerry Reynolds loved to say on the broadcast, only the guy with the basketball can score. So stop him first before you're stopping the guy in the corner or stopping the guy on the wing. The Kings gave up way too many easy buckets in transition. The Kings gave up way too many buckets, period. So I'm going to lump these two into one because I also have the Kings just allowing way too many points in the paint. I mean, the Lakers as a team tonight shot 50% from the field. Uh, they were they were eaten at the rim. And it's not so much that they were like, it's not necessarily layup lines or anything like that, but Teams getting into the paint, Kings uh, teams not having too much resistance, just getting closer and getting around the rim and, and getting to a position where they can go to work. They can score an easy bucket. They can get to the foul line. They can kick out to an open shooter if the defense finally does collapse. Like Sacramento just wasn't physical enough and allowed the Lakers to work themselves into the paint or around the rim, rim far too much. And more often than not, it resulted in a bucket uh a bucket for the the, the Lakers and, and Sacramento was forced to take the ball out and they lose any advantage that they have with their speed on the other end. So I'm not just chalking that up to preseason because this is who this Kings team has been. Now, some of you might be going, yeah, dumb Matt, what did you expect? Like the Kings this offseason, they didn't address their defensive issues. They added the EuroLeague MVP, who's so far been bad on defense. Chris Duarte has the opportunity to be good on defense. JaVale McGee, in theory, pre- protects the rim a little bit more, but still the Kings as a whole... We're going to, you've said it all offseason. Their growth was going to be internally defensively. You're right. And as of right now, while we've heard the Kings say there's an emphasis on physicality and we're trying to focus more on the defensive end and this and that and this and that, and they're saying all the right things, the eye test is showing in these first two games that there's no results so far. Now, is a two-game sample size enough to to cast massive judgments and, and suggest that this team is doomed defensively? No. But they have to prove us more that they're capable of doing it more than we're going to just believe that they can, right? Even the most optimistic of us, like yours truly here, knows that the Kings have a lot of work to do on the defensive end. So I'm not chalking up their bad transition defense and the way too many easy looks they're giving up in the paint and at the rim to it's just preseason. No, that's been a problem of this Kings team for a while and something that they still very much need to work on cleaning up. Speaking of cleaning up, turnovers. 
The Kings did not do a very good job of taking care of the basketball tonight. Did finish the game with 16 turnovers. That number looked like it was going to be a lot higher with how sloppy they were playing in the first half. Things did settle down a little bit. Turnovers are very much like chalk it up to preseason thing with how fast the Sacramento Kings like to play, incorporating a lot of new players, trying to figure each other out and get on the same page again. Like turnovers are, if there is a sponsor of the preseason, it should be like NBA preseason 2023 sponsored by turnovers. Like, like every team turns the ball over a crap ton. In fact, I think the Kings forced over 20 turnovers against the Raptors. They forced 20 turnovers tonight against the, uh, the Lakers. What does that say that the Kings forced 20 or more turnovers in both of their games and their own two to this point? Like, yikes. But turnovers happen. That is a common theme of preseason, so I'm not overreacting to that. Finally, really high volume of threes in these first two games, but bad shooting percentages. Like the Kings shot 50 threes in this game. Made just 15 of them, 30%. Now, that felt like a lot more than how poorly... The Kings shot the basketball against the Raptors, but like at, at times, like I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with this. So maybe I need your help to make this decision. Like, is it just preseason or, or should I be a little bit concerned? Because I felt like the Kings are a team that they're, they're more than capable of shooting 53s in a game. Like in the modern NBA, let's be honest, like they have more than enough shooters to shoot 53s without batting an eye. But it felt like there were stretches in this game in particular where the Kings were just settling for three-point shots. They weren't even trying to attack the paint when De'Aaron Fox specifically wasn't in the game. Like, I wanted to see Malik trying to attack the basket more because nobody was attacking the basket and the Kings were just spraying the ball around the perimeter and someone was chucking up a shot. Sometimes it would go in, a lot of times it wouldn't. Like, that that aspect of the Kings' offense, we didn't see a lot of. The three-point shooting looked better. They made more of them but they are still maybe a little too over-reliant on that three-point shot, and they were settling for that three-point shot instead of attacking the basket when on the other end of the floor, their opponents are coming right into the teeth of the defense or what little defense, maybe it's baby teeth at this point, uh, and, and getting looks at the rim, getting looks at the paint, uh, and then kicking the ball out for threes. The Lakers uh, in tonight's game shot 17 of 22. Uh, sorry, that's free throws. Whew, God, that scared me. Uh, they shot 10 of 30 from three point range for 33%. So not a whole lot better, but making five fewer threes in the Kings while shooting 20 less and they won the game. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the King shot a little too much. So I think that's more preseason than anything, but an over-reliance on three pointers might be an issue that the Sacramento Kings uh, need to be aware of and need to try to avoid during the regular season. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action with this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets whether you win or you lose. So put a $5 bet down on anything. Pick a game. Pick a spread. Pick a prop. Whatever you want to do. Put $5 down. That's all you, you have to invest. If you win, great. You're already in the positive. And here's $200 uh, on top of that for you to make even more money. If you lose, here's $200 for you to make that $5 back and then some. Because FanDuel wants you to keep playing. FanDuel wants you to have fun. Wants you to enjoy the fun of sports gambling in addition to the hobby and your love of sports. They don't want you just to go all in like you're at a blackjack table at the end of a long night 
And maybe you win, maybe you don't. You either walk away happy or walk away sad and never come back again. That's not what FanDuel wants. They want you to come and enjoy their app, which is easy to use. They have a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Of course, with NBA season starting, you can get on all the NBA action on FanDuel too. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season the right way. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Before we ramp up, I want to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers really quick because now hear me very closely. I'm not a fan of the Lakers. I don't like the Lakers. I'm never going to like the Lakers. Ew, disgusting. Don't ever accuse me of that. How dare you? But out of all the teams in the Pacific Division, I was thinking about this today while watching while watching um, the Lakers play. And I think G-Man Gary Gerald, who was on the radio broadcast tonight, referenced uh, Alvin Gentry uh, talking about this to him. Um, after watching the Lakers play in their first preseason game in person. I think the Los Angeles Lakers, out of all of the Pacific Division teams, matchup-wise, are the biggest threat to Sacramento. Matchup-wise. Now, I still think the Phoenix Suns are the best team in the Pacific. Like, they have to be with how, how well they're built. Right, I think any team in the Pacific realistically could win the division. I mean, it would take a lot for the Los Angeles Clippers to win the division, but again, does division titles really matter? Hey, the Kings are three-time Pacific Division champions. They won last year. Yay, hang another banner. But it's not that that matters very much. But the Kings are going to obviously be playing their Pacific Division opponents more than any other team. Going to play each team four times. They beat the Lakers three times last season out of the four, which is great. I don't know if that's happening again this season. And it's not just because they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, although you put LeBron and AD against Fox and Sabonis a majority of people are going to take LeBron and AD for obvious reasons. And that's fine. Whatever. I think Fox and Sabonis can give both of those guys problems at any given time. One of the things that I believe is a big strength of Sacramento, in addition to their amazing offense that they're capable of playing is the depth of this team. Now that depth as of right now, as we can see, they're trying to figure out a little bit, right? But I think this Kings team has a lot of depth that is going to make a big difference for Sacramento over the course of the season. You could say the exact same thing about the Lakers depth. It was on display tonight, right? No LeBron, no AD, no Austin Reeves, no problem for the Lakers. I mean, I've said a million times this offseason how much of a great pickup I thought Gabe Vincent was for the Lakers. I think he's amazing, an excellent player. I think that was a brilliant get for them. He played really, really well. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's not necessarily depth. He's a starting point guard, but he loves torching the Kings. Uh, Tarion Prince, Jackson Hayes, Rui Hachimura, uh, Christian Wood, Max Christie. I mean, you can go down the list of just guys that are solid players that I think could give the Kings problems at different times. So I'm not saying the Kings would lose to the Lakers in a best of seven series. I'm just saying out of all the Pacific division teams that I think are the harder, hardest, who the hardest matchup is for the Sacramento Kings. I think it's the Lakers because I think the Lakers can match or at even times beat the depth that the Sacramento Kings have. Some would say maybe the Warriors can too with like Jonathan Kaminga and people like and, and, and stuff like that. Like I get it. I, me personally, I think the Kings and the Lakers have the best best depth in the Pacific Division. And you take away that depth advantage for the Sacramento Kings against a team like the Lakers. Yeah, that might be a little bit tough for them to overcome at times. But we'll have to see when we get to the regular season. As of right now, this loss to the Lakers, it means absolutely nothing. We can forget about it other than the things that the Kings need to work on. And yes, the Kings have a lot of work still to do uh, this uh, this this 
preseason and in this training camp before we get to uh, the start of the regular season. Just a reminder, I will be going to Utah in two weeks. Two weeks from tonight, hopefully I'll be recording a positive, happy post-game pod after the Kings start the season 1-0. and In fact, that should be the expectation. It's fair to say, regardless of the circumstances, if the Kings start the season 0-1, we should probably be a little disappointed. We really should, especially when Game 2 and Game 3 are against the Warriors and the Lakers in Sacramento in one weekend. So I'm in, I'll am in. i be in Utah for that. Very much looking forward to that. Hopefully between now and then, we have some more answers to these questions, and we're feeling a little bit better about the Kings, but I have faith in Mike Brown. I have faith in this team, faith in this roster. I'm more than confident they're, they're going to be able to, for the most part, figure things out. And I have faith in you that you're always going to continue uh, to support this podcast. I'm so thankful for the support already so far this preseason. We're ramping back up uh, with our Kings coverage and postgame pods and things like that. So I hope you're enjoying it. Appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you with me all season and playoffs long. Uh, I will see you on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.